bringing you his authentic perspectives on important topics. They live in suburbs together. They live in the city together. They hang out together, all in the same family. We're the only idiots that fight because we want our voice to only be on one side. Like, does that even make any sense? And when the side loses, you lose everything. They, on the other hand, have a voice no matter what because somebody that looks like them is always in, in control. Frank, candid, and straight to the point. Well, it's just a skewed uh, system. Of course it is. It's a lot but, of judgment. But, but answer there, my question, though. Should we let people what? go? Should we let people go? Like, let's just forget about bail altogether. And if your neighbor commits what a homicide and kills people up... Nah, if you kill people and they next to you and you just let them come back and live right next to you, they can live upstairs from you. Let them come in your house. This is The Truth of the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth and The Truth app. Now, he's the mayor of the city of Milwaukee. He's a young man. Give him a chance. I only complain about things that I care about. What I want you to do is pretend like I'm in St. Louis. And all I'm asking the mayor and the common council president and the common council, show me. Now, live from the American Family Insurance Studio in Milwaukee, here is Dr. Ken Harris. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris, 833-212-1017 is the number. I guess, I, wait a minute. Okay. That's what I get for following Tori, right? <laughs> that was a joke. 833-212-1017 is the number. I saw a really strange and bizarre story today. And hang on, let me flip to it. And it brought out, hang on. Okay, let me get back behind the mic. It 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 brought out a question that that it didn't make any sense. So my issue is this. My question. Oh, by the way, uh, County Executive David Crowley will be our guest at uh, 430. So make sure you stick around for that. And then at 5 o'clock, I have um, the Vice President of the Association for the uh, Survivors of the Clotilda. So if you don't know what that is, I strongly suggest you stick around because in the five o'clock hour, we've got a phenomenal guest and 
you can see it in a Netflix documentary about the Clotilda. And we'll talk about what it is, why it is, how it came to be. But it's kind of strange how some things come to be. Like, what drives a white person to enter society to pass as a black or minority person? Not not mixed culture, not mixed race, but 100% white, yet passes for black. Well, it, it appears that in the last decade or so, we've seen a relatively new phenomenon of white people who are not content with just like being white. Now, I don't, I don't know what it would take to say, hey, I want to pass. I get it. I will say that I understand why black people do it because sometimes you're treated better. You have access to more resources. There are better assumptions made about you. But then again, maybe whiteness just isn't as, I don't know, maybe it's not as sexy as it used to be. Or maybe 400 years of white supremacy, white power, whiteness dominating popular culture and everything we do. I mean, I'm still mad at Fox TV. I'm still mad at the CW and the WB. Remember those networks? That were fledgling, and when they started out, they had black shows, and they black people flocked to them in droves. Remember Martin? All sorts of shows like that. Full of it. Now, all of a sudden, they built up the audience, changed sponsors, and flipped to all white with an occasional black person there. Dominating a culture predominantly made by people that are not you, shaped by black people, has caused some white people to pretend they're black. Raquel Saraswati got a job working for Quakers, actually. Something happened where as she was holding down the position of Chief Equity, Inclusion, and Culture Officer for the American Friends Service Committee, a prominent Quaker organization known for its progressive values and social justice advocacy in the U.S. and abroad. She was perfect. Here's where you start to question the issue. If you know anything about race, if you know anything about culture, if you know anything about religion, she is Raquel Evita Saraswati, a queer Muslim woman of Latina, South Asian, and Arab descent. Until you talk to her mother. And her mother said, what? Her name is Rachel. And she's British, German, and Italian descent, not Latina, South Asian, or Arab. 
How do we know that? Because mama described herself in a way that many white people don't. You know what she said? I'm as white as the driven snow. And so it begs the question, why would you bother to put yourself through the pain, the agony, the distrust, the bias, and the prejudice of being just being a minority? You actually chose to be one. Which in my eyes is makes you pretty bizarre. And yes, I know historically blacks who are very light skinned have passed for white in predominantly white cultures. I told a story this morning on 620 WTMJ about a mixed man from the Virgin Islands and Jewish Dutch. I'm sorry, Jewish Danish, which I guess is Dutch. Anyway, um, having to leave town and not marry the woman he loved because she was white and the family wouldn't go forward. And this is 1835. So it's not like it hasn't happened before. He just happened to be the first black millionaire in America. But I digress. But I guess no matter what you do, no matter how you slice it, Raquel or the Rachel or the other Rachel who pretended to be black, the opposite of the one phrase that mama said, I'm white as the driven snow, there's also a phrase that none of them can ever say. them can say I'm black and I'm proud and that is Dr. Ken's truth you are listening to the truth in the afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 the truth the truth app and 1017 thetruth.com Listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. 833-212-1017 is the number. My headphones aren't acting right. Talking text line says, technically she is Latin Italians are the original Latin people. Okay, I'm not I'm not getting no. Anyway. I'm done. Yeah, we're getting into the whole technical Latin. Latin X Latino aren't racial, so a person can white person can in fact be Latina. We know that. We know a white person can be Latina. Latina is Latin. It's, uh, it's an ethnicity, right? It's an it's an ethnic group of people. It's everybody in the diaspora, just like 
Africa is a diaspora. You get white, you get black, you get Jewish, you get Christian, you get Muslim, you get everybody. You voodoo worshipers, right? We said race. We didn't say ethnicity. Okay. Eight three three two one two one zero one seven is the number. I get what you're saying, but you act like you're saying something that people don't know. I don't know. Technically, she is Latin Italian, the original Latin people. Well, Africans are the original black people. Are we not really black? I don't know. Eight three three two one two one zero one seven is a number. Aren't we tired of seeing this? Aren't we tired of hearing people usurp our um, ethnicity? I'll, I'll use that one. Are we tired of people pretending to be us when they're not? I don't know. I quit. I'm going home. You ever work with something and you would think that it was intuitive because you had used it before, but then you found out that you really couldn't figure out how the heck to use it? Talking text line says, I agree with you. What's the motive of pretending? I don't know. Like, why, why would a black person who's, who's uh, light-skinned pretend to be white? I think it's different motives. I think a white person pretending to be a minority is different from a minority person pretending pretending to be white. And I and I think that the assumption that the white person is trying to get over because being minority, you get something. I, I think that's a bogus argument. I do. I, I think. I think people do things and it gets out of hand and before they can correct it or they tell a little small. Now, if you're pretending to be an ethnicity and you're minority already, eh. but to be honest with you, I don't care if somebody pretends to be black. Why do I, why would I care? Kind of honored. I'm going to be like me. Why, Why would you be upset that somebody that's white is pretending to be black? Like, do you get anything for being black? Do you, like, if you're white and you pretend to be black, like, what do you get? 833-212-1017 is the number. Brian, you're on the new 1017 The Truth. How you doing, Dr. Ken? I'm Long good. time. Uh, haven't, haven't talked to you in a while. Yeah. I wanted to find out why, um, well, possibly because most, most people don't know anything about it, but... Uh, one of our famous uh, black uh, government officials passed for white for decades, but he was every bit of black. You know who that was? No, I don't. Who was it? J. Edgar Hoover. J. Edgar Hoover was black. His father's name was Ivory Hoover, a sharecropper. And I think his mother's name was uh, Mamie Hoover. They did a whole documentary about it. You you ever see that uh, documentary? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. What did you think about that? Um, you never wanted to bring up about blacks passed for white for decades? 
I think that the idiot, the idiotic idea that if you have one drop of black blood in you, you're black, doesn't make any sense to me. No more sense that if you're considered black and they find out you have a white parent, you're inherently less than. Like that, that just, that just doesn't make any sense to me. Did you ever recognize the mentality that J. Edgar Hoover had towards his own people? Well, I don't, I don't know black if people. I could, I don't know if I would call him black. I don't know if because he yeah, had he some heritage that we could call him black. I don't, I'm, I'm just saying. I'll come ask you the next question. Yes, you sir. think he did, ex- exhibited the same type of uh, opinions of black folks that uh, some black folks in law enforcement throughout the centuries and decades have exhibited towards their own people that same mentality i would say for their own i would say you're making an assumption that black people i'm asking would, a question not an assumption just a question okay i'm, I'm answering you but but you're not listening i'm answering your question so i'm going to answer it my way i believe okay. you're making an assumption when you extrapolate across all of law enforcement for something a few people do so in that instance no i don't i don't you're you're absolutely wrong I completely disagree. Here's why. Because individual, well, we can agree to disagree, but let me finish. Okay. People are, people are who they are. And for you to assign something to a black man or a black woman who's working in a field that, that clearly based on some of the things you say, you may not care for, which is your prerogative. I don't know if you could think for me or, Say what's in my mind just because you believe it. That don't make it right. And so to, to it doesn't make it right. But. So 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 to assume something about someone when you don't want somebody to assume something about you, I think that's a little, I don't know. Mm. It's kind of hypocritical. Well, well, it just seems like those five officers that beat their own uh, 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 brother to death like that seems like they had that same J.K. Hoover mentality. But you don't know. But you don't know. Yeah, you don't know. I can just assume. That's right. Which makes it what? Dude, you're repeating to me what I just said to you. It makes an assumption. That's all it does. Right. But 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 here's my (laughs) but here's but here's my issue with it. Do you do that to everybody? No. Do you do that to Uh the white people that 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 do things? Do you do that to and and individuals are individuals. So just because I work at just because I work at well, but that's not what you said. You insinuated that 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 black cops for centuries have done things against black people because they they hate black or whatever reason you said. I don't know if I can get with you. Remember the first? You remember the first Friday movie with Ice Cube? What about they were pulled over by that black cop? Dude, that's a movie. That that scene, I think it was from Friday. That's a movie. Come on. Exactly. But they also, those are not professional actors. Those are people that were basically acting the way they act on in a daily on a daily daily basis. Black folks don't uh, really act when it comes to movies, with the exception of Denzel Washington. Most black really? folks that get in movies are actually acting are the way serious? they act in normal days. Wow! Absolutely. Okay. Some of them, are, <laughs> All right. for the most part, they act the way All they right. act. Okay. <laughs> So white people are the only people that are real actors and they should win all the Academy Awards because it's okay. All right. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate well, you, brother. They made them. All right. Yeah.
What? I think I missed something. All right, I'm lying. I'm pretty sure I missed something. 833-212-1017 is the number. Um, County Executive David Crowley will be coming up shortly. Want to hit the talk and text. Chris said, I'm waiting on confirmation on who from the Latino community said we will be called Latinx. Nobody. White people probably made it up. We're Latinos. The ALC of the world don't speak for us. Wow. Say how you feel. <laughs> Somebody said, hey, if you pass, you could be in an NAACP director. That's not a black job. That's a job for a person. They were just dumb enough to hire somebody who was passing. But that, you don't have to be black to work for the NAACP or Urban League or anything of it because they, the, I believe the, one of the secretaries or the heads of the NAACP, wasn't it, what, didn't Jack Greenberg run the NAACP? Anyway. Uh, yeah, I got to look that up. But yeah, we're going to put race on organizations now? Hmm, okay. I mean, preference is one thing. But then again, I don't know. I might be making an assumption. Oh, well. Let me see what's coming up. David Crowley, county executive. Traffic, weather. Be careful outside. And maybe a little sports. You are listening to The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. You are listening to The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. 833-212-1017 is the number. You know, as a long-time Milwaukee resident, this person has basically known that he lived in a county that had literally two counties. There, there, was, a, there was a division between them. Some people lived in pain and struggled the entire time, and other people were free to move about and do things and grow up. And that's what he did. I happened to meet this person, wow, I think maybe 15, maybe even 20 years ago. Uh, And they were, you know, bent on going into politics and started working for several politicians. And I'm proud to say I've now seen this person um, and, and quite publicly supported this person to become the county executive. Uh, I present to you, I guess he's my friend, David Crowley. How are you, sir? <laughs> I, guess, I guess. I am doing well. I mean, I've been waiting to go to here. dinner for like, I don't know, a year. But, you know, <laughs> I guess it's all right. Uh, we'll, we'll get something on the book soon, <laughs> but it is a pleasure to be joining you. Absolutely. <laughs> so I've, I've watched you um, when you were a young man, and, and you had very, very very specific goals until I asked you a question. You're, do, do, do you remember that? Which question was this? We were sitting in um, Mr. Perkins over on Capitol, and someone had just introduced you to me. Said you you should meet this guy, right? And mm-hmm. we were having breakfast, and I asked you one question, and you looked at me, and I said, 
because it's funny because I ask everybody that same question when they say they want to do something and I get the same look because it's the same thing somebody did to me. And they asked me, what's your end goal? Like, where do you ultimately want to end up? And I think I remember you saying, hey, I mean, we've never had anybody in the county. I'd love to be the county executive. <laughs> and, and, and I think you said it in passing just to have an answer. Yeah. yeah and yeah. so uh, now you're one of the most, I think, the most productive county executives we've ever had. Well, I, I, I truly appreciate that. And you got a good memory, first and foremost. Uh, but, you know, when you think about, you know, just my journey, um, you know, growing up in the city of Milwaukee, when you think about being a community organizer and, and then working for other elected officials, it was really about just trying to make some change. And, you know, I never wanted to get too too far ahead of my skis when it comes down to, you know, when it came down positions. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's ironic that, that I came up with that, and now I am here as not only the youngest, but the first African-American to be elected to this seat. So uh, it's crazy how, how, how life actually works. Yes, it is. And so you've you've lived through some of those issues that we're fighting right now. And how how do you use your past to figure out some of those tough decisions we have to make at the county level? Uh, that's that's a great question. And and honestly, when you when you think about my own background and for and for those who are listening, again, I, I'm born and raised in the five three two zero six zip code. Went to you know Milwaukee Public Schools my whole life. Our Avenue, Mac Middle School, and and Bayview High School, and, and did a lot of community organizing, uh, you know, throughout my, my early adult years. But when you think about, you know, growing up in a household where you have family members who, who suffered from uh, drug addiction or who were diagnosed with a mental illness, or when you have past experiences of, of housing insecurity, being evicted three times and moving every year of your life for almost 15 years, it can, it can definitely help shape uh, you know, the policies, and it has shaped the policies as we move forward. And so when you think about, uh, particularly around mental health, I'm really excited as far as what we've been able to do uh, right here in our own community, right off of uh, 12th and Belit. We just opened up last year our first um, uh, mental health emergency center to make sure that, you know, those who go for services, mental health services, that they have easier access uh, to those types of services and, and supports. Because, you know, at first, everybody was going down to, 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 to Wauwatosa where we had the Behavior Health Division. And, right. You know, people were going there. But 70% of the people that we were actually supporting and, and providing services to live near or or, or in uh, the, the Marshall Peacock Health and Human Service area. And so it was, it was extremely important for us. But even when you talk about affordable housing, right, like when we were evicted, it wasn't because my mother didn't want to pay rent. It was that, you know, she wasn't getting enough hours to actually make enough money. And so when you think about the, the conversations that we're having around affordable housing, it's been very fruitful. We now have been working with Axe Housing and provided them with $2.5 million uh, towards their home acquisition fund so we can get more Milwaukeeans, particularly from communities of color, who can become first-time home buyers. Uh, we also just recently acquired about 90 lots from the city of Milwaukee near the King Park neighborhood as well where we want to be able to develop 110 single-family homes uh, for first-time homebuyers as well. Uh, but if you think about the partnerships that we now have in, in South Milwaukee, in Wildwood Tosa, in West Dallas, in Brown Deer, 
uh, for the first time in a long time, we're starting to see affordable housing developments happen. And so when I think about my past experiences, uh, and not just my own that I had to, to go through, but learning from those around me, uh, I use that as a, as a guide to help craft uh, policies that are going to directly affect uh, not just our current generation, but future generations so they won't have to go through what I went through. How can the county actually reduce, you know, there's there's several areas that are that are duplicated between the cities and the county. How can we and and I guess understanding that some of those services have to be there because some of the smaller municipalities don't have them. How how can we reduce duplicate services at the county level, but still fill in some of those service gaps that aren't there? Well, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a question that we all have to answer, not just within uh, county government, but even with all 19 different municipalities within Milwaukee County. And when you talk about the duplications of services, whether we may be talking about, you know, like DPW, right? Like a lot of us have our own DPW crews or we go out, we, we fill potholes or we try to fix the streets and things of that nature. Uh, we, we are looking at some of those. As we continue to talk about the local option sales tax, you know, we know that we have to look at reforms within. Uh, but I will be the first to say that, you know, it's not just going to be the city of Milwaukee and Milwaukee County that could do this to make sure that we see the type of impact that we want to have countywide. We need other municipalities to be a partner. And, and it's going to take a long-term strategy, but also long-term planning to make sure that whatever we do to reform local governments, to make sure that we're providing uh, the best and most efficient uh, services for the people that we represent is going to take time. And so, you know, there are ways that we can look at different things and, and we are con- currently uh, pursuing different ways to do that. The city of Milwaukee has been working with the GMC to provide a report to see what we can do between the city and the county. Uh, and I believe that Rob Hankin over with the Wisconsin Policy Forum is doing the exact same thing uh, because we have to find efficiencies. We need to make sure that uh, we're being very prudent with those tax dollars, but more importantly, that we have the ability to invest these dollars in some of our most vulnerable communities, especially when we talk about health. Because if we're going to have the healthiest county in the state, we need to make sure that some of our most vulnerable areas, vulnerable neighborhoods, have access to the resources and services uh, that they need. Well, you bring me to my last question. We live in a county where we're the only major metropolitan area in America without a hospital for the indigent? Will the county ever venture back into the hospital business? You know, at, at, this, at this point in time, I, I'm not sure we, could be, we would be able to do that when you think about the, the, the financial uh, uh, fiscal issues that we, we actually have. And so it would be difficult. I mean, that's one of the reasons why when you think about uh, the behavior health hospital that we had, I mean, we were taking individuals in yet we didn't have enough resources to actually do the things that we needed to do when we talk about housing individuals. But we also learned throughout the, 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 the many years, decade, that it is best to really support many individuals who, who are facing a mental health crisis for them to be able to stay within the community. This way they can have access not only to the services, but have access to those support systems as well. But what I can tell you is that we're going to continue to look for that type of partnership, particularly uh, at the state level. You know, they control uh, the, the, the policies as it relates to, like, uh, uh, Medicaid reimbursement or Medicare reimbursement. And so, you know, we, we're going to have to continue to work together 
Uh, and not just with the state, but when you look at all the healthcare systems within the four major healthcare systems within Milwaukee County, but also many of our healthcare clinics. When you think about, you know, outreach community health services or or 16th Street Community Center or or or, or, the, or Milwaukee Health Services, we are going to have to come into. We're going to have to bring everybody to the table to figure out how do we actually move forward. But more importantly, what policy changes do we need at the state level to make sure that one, we can serve these folks. But two, make sure the reimbursement is at an adequate level so these services can continue on. We're talking to the first African-American and youngest elected Milwaukee County executive, David Crowley. Anything you want to add before you go? Well, you know, it's Black History Month. So I I just want to be able to say uh, that, you know, the fact that we are in this month, you know, it's important that we continue to talk about our African-American achievements, the culture, as well as the impact on, on our society. And so, you know, I used to be one of those people to where I used to hate Black History Month because it was like, well, why do we have to be subject <laughs> to have our Black history just within a month? You know, because this is American history. But I also recognize that it's also a time, not just for myself, uh, but for others to really reflect about the women and men who literally broke ground and helped uplift uh, many communities across this country and literally sacrificed so much of their lives so that future generations would benefit and do the same. And so knowing that I stand on the, on the shoulders of giants who are with us and those who are no longer with us in society, we need to make sure that we continue to push the narrative, particularly when you think about the theme uh, that was created this year, which is black resistance. And, and I truly believe that they can come in different forms, whether we are talking about seeking knowledge about our history, but driving political action and making sure that we support black entrepreneurs, black arts, black arts, black authors, so on and so forth. So I, I, will all, I always want to make sure that I take this time, particularly since we're in Black History Month, to encourage individuals to seek out more knowledge, seek out uh, uh, more knowledge related to black history, because this is American history and we need to make sure that we're telling our story. Thank you so much. I appreciate it and have a great rest of your day. Hello to the family. And, um, I don't know. Last time I saw your daughters, they were just born, right? And then they were tall yeah. and walking. And I, I, I think you're getting old, actually. Oh well, you know, my dad always told me if you don't if you don't live to grow old, you die young. And it has been a journey <laughs> to see, you know, the 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 role that my girls have been oh, on. Yeah. Matter of fact, I I gave my first state of the county address yesterday. And my three-year-old just wouldn't let me be great, so she made sure to, to rush the stage and come on stage to, to say a few words. Outstanding. As only a daddy's Absolutely. girl can. All right. Take care, sir. Yes. All right. You take care. Be safe on these streets, everybody. All right. Good night. David Crowley, the first African-American and the youngest Milwaukee County executive to ever be elected in the county of Milwaukee. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. We'll be right back. The award-winning 1017 The Truth is thrilled to celebrate Black History Month with you. This month will be dedicated to highlight. You are listening to The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com.
You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris, 83321. All right, I'm going to try that again. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris, 833-212-1017 is the number sitting right here in front of me. It's what you get when you talk too fast. (sighs) Let me go back and hit this talking text line because y'all started blowing up before uh, County Executive came on. Um, yeah, I read, <laughs> yeah, uh, you can be a double ACP director. Yeah. It, it, isn't it interesting that, that, that both Rachel Dolowitz and Rachel, this Raquel, her actual name was Rachel. So pretending to be black and you white still won't get you the bad rap we get in police brutality. We often get. And since you on around four, I start working. I won't make the mistake calling you Sherwood Sherman again. Eh. Eh. There, there are worse people you can call me. Talking text, I say, wow, Brian, that was a pretty small tunnel vision uh, perspective on black people. And then. The caller said. Good doctor, remember we live in a time where people born male decide they want to live as a woman and men experience less bias, yet people still choose to live as women. A white woman who pretends to be white can be a can get a black man who doesn't like white women. She may have desired a certain type of man. Good doctor, ask Brian if he saw J. Edgar Hoover's father's DNA test. Hmm. (laughs) And then, has Brian ever been on a movie set? Well, I'm going to tell you, acting is acting. So that was was kind of a weird thing that he said that I didn't understand. I really didn't. I really didn't get it. So, yeah. Good doctor. Has there ever been a black Klansman? Yes. You saw the movie. Come on. Come on. Trying to kid. You can't put a face. You can't put a race on a nation of people who've been mixing and remixing for centuries. Yes, you can. You can believe in the idiotic rule that was in um, Birth of a Nation. That if you get one drop of black blood, you're black. And you're to be rejected. And we still hold on to it as if it's some kind of positive thing that if you're mixed, you're automatically black. Well, because it's the dominant trait. Like, whatever. If we're going to be open, let's be open. And if we're not, let's not. I think what happens is when you're younger, you follow what your parents say. As you get through maybe 20, 30, 40, you follow what the world says. And then after that, you kind of make up your own mind. And you don't really care what anybody else thinks. As they always say, they have no heaven to send me to, no hell to put me in. So, eh, your uh, thoughts and opinions, while I respect them, don't really care. 833-212-1017 is the number. So I've been, uh, where's my sheet? So I've been, I've been looking at that particular thing as it relates to passing. And... 
Race is a social construct that was created to actually keep people non-white in a certain place so that they could lord themselves over you. And so recognizing that, don't get mad when black people embrace race, when when people of Latin descent embrace race. It ain't our fault. When people make up things to use, what, what, what's the old saying? When life serves you lemons, you make lemonade. I like to make reparations. So I'm just saying. That, that's all I'm saying. If we're going to do this, by the way, in the five o'clock hour, when we're done with the interview regarding the Clotilda and I'm, and I'm telling you, um, you have to see it to really understand descendant Netflix documentary about the descendants of the last known ship to smuggle stolen Africans to the U S 110 people from the West African country now known as where I trace my heritage to Benin were illegally transported to Mobile, Alabama aboard the Clotilda. And we'll talk about that. A ship that was burned by its owner, Timothy Mayer to cover up his crimes. And more than a century later, Margaret Brown's new documentary descendant tells the story of the families that were brought over. And how they formed Africa Town, and how the recent discovery of the shipwreck has compelled them to grapple with a century of myth making and lasting forces of oppression and a shared path toward justice because all the things that were theirs was then taken away from them. If you read the book by, by Zora Neale uh, Hurston, Baccaroon. It, it's just a phenomenal book. It is a poignant tale, and we're going to talk about it in the five o'clock hour. And I think you will be mesmerized at the information that you will get from this particular interview and the information that you can then take and use because it's Black History Month, because it will give you the ability to understand where we came from, where some of us came from. And because my heritage is in where? Alabama. That's one of the things that drew me to this particular interview, drew me to the particular documentary, and drew me to really understand what it's going to take in order to get information on my past, get information on my grandfather's side of the family, and really understand and be able to tell the story of black history.